Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah. We're going to be looking in Isaiah chapter 9. Christmas at Victory is a season of preparing our hearts for the celebration, the anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. As I think about this season, it's really a time of, it's a time of um, preparation. It's a time of uh, anticipation. It's a time of celebration as we think about how Jesus has been born. God, wrapped in human flesh, dwelling among us. It's an incredible, incredible thing to think about, um, the birth of Jesus. God being made manifest flesh. This season is called the Advent season. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's the four weeks leading up uh, to Christmas. And the word Advent actually means arrival. It means coming. And we as followers of Jesus, as Christians, we live uh, between two arrivals. Um, Jesus has already arrived 2,000 years ago, but he's also going to return. And we anticipate his return as well. And so we live as people full of joy, full of hopeful expectation, full of comfort, and full of good news. I want to talk to you uh, this morning about the Christmas season and how we can prepare our hearts uh, for the coming of Christ. 700 years before the innkeeper turned Mary and Joseph away, 700 years before the angels busted through the darkness of that night in Bethlehem, 700 years before the shepherds bowed low in praise, the prophet Isaiah dipped his pen an inspired ink and he wrote what we know as or what we term as the hallmark prophecy about the birth of a savior the messiah of who we know as jesus christ we read in the old testament that in isaiah 9 and beginning at verse 2 isaiah is prophesying he's talking about a day to come he said, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Go down to verse 6. If you're following along with me, follow along in your Victory Church app and your notes. For unto us, I'm going to say that again, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. I love these adjectives that Isaiah used to describe. Not, he's not just a counselor, but he's Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. You see, he's not just God, but he's Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign 
on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. Then I want you to turn with me, if you have your Bibles, electronic devices, maybe you're taking notes, write this down. Psalms chapter 46 and verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. A very present help in trouble. And so in our time together as we gather around God's Word, I'm going to tag a title to this text, to this sermon uh, today, and I want you to help me to introduce it. We are Pentecostals in here, so I'm going to make you talk even over the Christmas season. I want you to look at the person next to you and say, do you need a little help? Could you use a little help? I don't know about you, but I could use a little help. There's times in my life, I'm sure it's going to be, it was last night, I'm sure it's going to be today. I'm going to need a little help. And then I want you to respond back to that person with the title of my sermon today. And here it goes. I want you to say this. Our help is here. Our help is here. Why don't you join with me and we're going to join our hearts together in prayer this morning before we get into what God has to say for us today. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the time that we share around it. God, I ask that you would do what I cannot do today, which is speak to hearts speak to our lives. God, thank you for your word. Your word says at the entrance of your word, it brings light. Dispel the darkness with the truth of your word today. Where there are those that are sorrowful, Lord, let your joy come through your word. Lord, where there are those that are discouraged, maybe defeated, Lord, let there be, through your word, a peace that settles on them. Lord, for those that are confused, Father, we pray that your truth would bring clarity in this place today. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Open up the word of God to us, Lord, that our lives may be changed. Help us to hear your word, to receive your word, to believe your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you, PL. Uh, I don't know if you remember uh, this story as you were growing up. Um, Is anybody familiar with the children's story, Hansel and Gretel? (laughs) I don't know why this is a children's story. It's kind of a creepy story. I'm not going to retell the creepy part. I just want to use the beginning of the story um, to kind of set up my message uh, today. And the story goes like this. There are two children that they have a mother and they have a a father and a wicked stepmother. Well, they don't have any money and they don't have any food. And so the wicked stepmother hatches this plot, this scheme, to take the children out into the deepest part of the forest and leave them there, figuring that they will never find their way back home. And um, Hansel and Gretel, they overhear this plot one day. 
And so, uh, thankfully for Gretel, Han, uh, Hansel has a plan. And so he sneaks out, he gathers together some small white stones. Uh, he comes back into the house, and the next day, uh, the wicked stepmother leads them out into the forest. And uh, as they're heading out, every so often, Hansel will drop a little white stone. And then the second time that this happens, he starts dropping uh, little breadcrumbs. But, and, I, and, and, and here's the reality is that because he dropped those little stones, it was able to lead him and Gretel back home. Now, I know I left out the part where, you know, there's the witch in the forest and the gingerbread house and all that. But I just wanted to tell you that story to point out that there was a path that led them home. And in telling you that story this morning, we see in Scripture time and time again that our needs mark the trail that helps to lead us home to God. Our needs. And so God will use our desperation. God will use our lack. God will use our troubles. God will use our needs to bring him back home, bring us back home to him. Because it's in those moments where we have great needs, where we have great troubles, where we have great problems, that God begins to reprioritize our life and set our affections on him. He helps us to reprioritize, to reorient. He draws our hearts back to himself. And when we experience his provision for our needs, and when we experience his healing touch, or when we experience his wisdom or his forgiveness, we know God in a brand new way. We don't know him as an impersonal force, but our hearts are drawn back home to know our God by a name. We know him, not just uh, what somebody says about him, but we actually know him personally. We know him on a first-name basis. God does this throughout the Old Testament as he discloses his name to his people in their desperate situations. And we find in our passage, in this passage from Isaiah this morning, God doing the same thing with his people, Israel, 700 years before Messiah is born. He's doing that same thing today among us as his people. He wants to reveal to us who he is. And so in our time together this morning, I want to take this truth from our text today, this principle from God's word, and it's this. As helper, Jesus is here to reveal to us who God is. Jesus has come to help us to understand, to know, to get a revelation not about God, but a personal understanding of who God is. Incarnation. This is what we saw, the, the miracle of the incarnation. Jesus, God, almighty God, outside of time, becoming a baby, becoming flesh in a manger. This is what's called the miracle in theology, of, the miracle of the incarnation. The incarnation is the process of being seen. How many of you have ever had children 
and you wondered to yourself, what would this baby be like? Eventually, this baby is going to make a grand entrance, and we are going to see them with our own eyes. It's the process. Incarnation, birthing, is the process of being seen. And to be seen is to allow yourself to be known. I want to talk to you this morning. If Jesus is our helper and he's here to reveal to us who God is, what kind of helper is Jesus to us? What kind of help does he give to us in our daily lives? The first thing that Jesus has come to be, the type of helper that he has come to be, he's come to be a present helper. Come on, he's with us. God has come to us. He's not distant, but he's present. He's not missing, but he's manifesting. Come on, he's not impersonal, but he's personal. I love it in that passage that we read earlier, Psalm chapter 46, verse 1. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of trouble. He's a present helper. Verse 23 of Matthew chapter 1 uh, the angel appears to Joseph and he's talking to Joseph about who this Messiah would be. And he gives them this descriptive name. The virgin shall conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Of all the names, the 250 names in the Bible that are given to Jesus, he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's the fairest of 10,000, he's the lily of the valley, he's the son of man, he's the son of God, come on, he's the chief cornerstone, he's the bread, he's the resurrection and the life, come on, he's the doorway, he's the great shepherd. Of all these names, I love these names that describe and characterize Jesus, but the most precious name to me, the one that means the most is Emmanuel because if he was all those things but he wasn't with us I don't know how much it would mean to me but because he is with us it brings us great comfort great strength great hope to know that we are never alone but yet God is with us he's a present help verse 6 in Isaiah said for unto us a child is born unto us He's a present help. He's a personal helper to us. Unto us. We talk about the incarnation, God becoming flesh. The God who is transcendent outside of time, entering into time and space. The God who is eternal, coming, uh, becoming uh, uh, flesh and becoming temporal to be with us and to walk among us. We don't talk about God's Adoption. We talk about his incarnation. You see, God wasn't sitting in heaven and he was saying, there's going to be this baby born. His name is Jesus. And I'm just going to go ahead and give him supernatural powers. And I'm going to pour out my spirit on him. And, and then he's going to eventually die for the sins of the world. No, God says, I love you so much that I'm going to empty myself of my eternal privileges. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to take on human flesh, and I'm going to walk among you. This is the incarnation. This is God becoming man to be with us. When we could not make our way to God, he made his way to us. Therefore, he is present in our life. 
He looked down and he saw the plight of mankind. And he said, I will go myself into the world and I will rescue them. God sent Jesus specifically to you and he sent Jesus specifically for you. And for the world. I was trying to figure out a way to illustrate this to you. My son Anthony, he's getting ready to turn four years old and he loves toys, he loves trucks. He specifically loves trains. I mean, he like builds train sets. He's got tracks, he's got bridges and tunnels and, and uh, he, he just loves trains. But he gets incredibly frustrated. How many of you guys remember this when your kids are growing up and when they can't figure something out and they start getting frustrated? Well, he'll get so frustrated, he'll throw something or he'll th- pitch a fit or whatever. And as his father... What do I do? I make my presence known in a personal way. I get off the couch. I come down to where he is. I help him put together his train. I tell them, him it's going to be all right. It's going to be okay. I comfort him. And this is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. We were born into sin, separated from God. There was no way we could make our way to him, but he came to us to forgive us of all of our sins and to give us eternal life. This is what we talked about last week. As Savior, Jesus has come to remove my sins and to give me eternal life. Well, this week, we're talking about as my helper, Jesus is here to reveal who God is. God is our present helper. And I want all of us to agree that we need God's involvement. We need his help. We need his intervention in our daily lives. Not only has Jesus come to be a present helper, but he's also come to be a practical helper. He's come to practically help us live a life that honors and glorifies God. I love this in verse 6. Isaiah says this. He says, And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As a kid at Christmas, I hated practical gifts like socks and underwear and school supplies and jackets. I wanted video game systems, bikes, dirt bikes. You know, I wanted all that fun stuff, but as I'm getting older, I realize that the practical gifts are actually the most important gifts. Those are the things that you really need. And God is a generous giver. God provides our needs through the gift of His Son. And the gift of His Son is a help to us And he's a present help, and he is a practical help. See, I love the fact that he's practical. He's practical, and he reveals himself to us through the four names that Isaiah gives us here in this text. Wonderful Counselor. Let's talk about it for a minute. Wonderful Counselor. As Wonderful Counselor, he gives us perfect clarity in our confusion. This tells us as a counselor that God has come for people with problems. Some of y'all, that's good news today. 
Anybody got a problem in this place today and you need God to give you some wisdom, you need for him to give you some counsel, you need for him to give you some insight. Well, can I tell you this morning, he knows you and he knows your situation and he knows how to resolve whatever problems that you have. Come on. He is, not without, uh, he is not without knowledge. He is not limited. He knows all, thing in, all things. And the Bible says that Jesus was manifest as the wisdom of God in the New Testament. This word counselor in the Hebrew language means this. One who knows us, our situation, and with great care advises, instructs, and guides us through problems from a position of authority. In other words, he's not like a therapist. Come on. He doesn't just sit there with you and say, oh, it's so terrible. I know. I understand. He doesn't just listen to you maybe like you call a friend up on the phone and how dare they do that to you and how could they be this and that or whatever. They don't just listen. God doesn't just listen to you, but he instructs you. He advises you. Sometimes he corrects you. His ultimate purpose is to help to lead you out of your trouble. He's a practical helper in that he's a wonderful counselor. That word wonderful, I love it. It means miraculously marvelous. In the Old Testament, in the New Testament, there is no other time that this word is used other than of God. In other words, there's nobody else that you can go to that's going to give you this wonderful counsel. You need God's insight. You need God's counsel. You need God's solutions to your problems. And he has come to you to be a practical helper. Somebody thank God that he has given you wisdom and insight. He's given you clarity. He's helped you when you've needed it, when you didn't know where to turn to, when you felt stuck, when you didn't know the way out. God began to speak to you and show you the way out. Amen. Amen. And he gives you answers to your problems. But even greater than that, he doesn't just give you answer to your problems. He gives you himself. He gives you himself. And you may be looking for a solution this morning, but God gives you something better than your solution even. He gives you a relationship with him. Are you ready to experience the help of a wonderful counsel? He extends to you the invitation today. He gives you perfect clarity in your confusion. Another way that God reveals himself as a practical helper is that he is the mighty God. In other words, Isaiah is saying, there is a God. Let's just establish that from the very beginning. There is a God. This is the word, the name that God revealed to Moses on the backside of the desert at a burning bush. When he said, Moses asked him, he said, who should I say sent me to deliver your people from slavery? And he said, tell him I am has sent you. That word translated in the Hebrew is Yahweh. We translate it in the Latin Jehovah. Today we would translate it into English as Lord, God. But he's not just God, he's mighty God. Come on. 
I'm glad that he's not just God. I'm glad that he's mighty God. I'm glad that he has all power. I'm glad that he is all sufficient. I'm glad that he's not looking to anywhere else to help solve the problems that you and I have, but he's a practical helper that has power to resolve our issues. He has power to help us overcome. And if he doesn't just remove the barriers, remove the walls, remove the obstacles, remove the adversity, he gives us power to 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 maintain through it he gives us uh, power to go through whatever troubles that we have he's the mighty god and as the mighty god he gives us perfect strength in our storms Hmm. so as as a counselor he tells you which way to go but as the mighty god he's there to empower you to go to do it he's the mighty god he's with you to empower you Now, if somebody's going to make a claim that they are mighty God, they have to have the ability, right, to be the mighty God. You see, if I told you today that I was um, Einstein, I I was Einstein uh, reincarnated, you would say, well, explain to us the theory of relativity, to which I would say, uh, or you might, I might tell you, um, I am Elvis, and then you would want to know, hey, I want to see you shake your hips and I want to see you, uh, hear you sing a song. You see, if you're going to claim to be God, then you have to have the proof and the power to back it up. Isaiah is saying this baby that would be born is to be known as mighty God. Did Jesus claim to be God? Yes. In John chapter 14, verse 9, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In John chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. It's one thing to claim to be God, and it's another to actually be God. And you better have the abilities and the, and the qualities. Jesus proved that he was God by doing things that only Almighty God could do. He had a miraculous birth. He was born of a virgin. No one could find fault in him. He taught deeply profound truths. No man spoke as he spoke. He performed powerful, undeniable miracles. He calmed the storm. He walked on the water. He raised the dead. He had incredible predictions about his life, death, and resurrection. He had died an incredibly inspirational death. The centurion said, surely this is the Son of God. He celebrated a spectacular resurrection. Hundreds saw him alive, and then he appeared to his disciples, and he elevated to the right hand of God. He was glorified. When it comes to Jesus, here's the point. No matter what you face, nothing is too difficult for him. And that's why the Apostle Paul could say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's not that I can do whatever I want, but whatever God calls me to do, I am able to do because I have the strength of Christ living on the inside of me through the power of his spirit. Somebody give God praise today that you are not helpless, you are not hopeless, you are not powerless, but you have the power of God resident on the inside of you through the presence and the person of Jesus through his spirit. Hmm. He's not only wonderful counselor and mighty God, but he's everlasting father. I love this. And people question, how can it be everlasting father if there's only one father, there's the son and the Holy Spirit? I'm confused. He's not the father, 
the everlasting Father. He's everlasting Father. So in the Godhead, in the Trinity, he takes on the characteristics of God, of a Father, of an eternal Father. He's referring to uh, his position in the Godhead. So a Father in, in, in the Hebrew understanding, in the Hebrew mind, represented provision, protection, leadership, and direction. God is saying this is the nature and the character of this Christ child, of this Messiah. He's come to provide. He's come to give direction. He's come to help you. He's come to give um, insight and leadership. As everlasting father, he gives perfect leadership in my life. And I don't know about you, but maybe you had a father who was absent. He's not absent father. He's everlasting father. Maybe you had a time bomb father. He's not time bomb father. Come on. He's everlasting father. He's not emotionally distant father. No, he's everlasting father. He's not absent father, but he's everlasting father. He's never satisfied father, but he's everlasting father. And how long is he going to be this type of father to us? everlasting forever and ever and ever and ever. And he gives perfect leadership in my life. As helper, Jesus is here to reveal to us who God is. He's a present helper. He's a practical helper. He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting father. And finally, he's prince of peace. I love this. Because he is perfect peace even in my problems. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Being justified by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died for us that he might take upon the wrath of God upon himself so that we, in turn, through believing in him, might have peace with God. Somebody clap your hands in this place today and thank God that you have peace with God through the cross. The cross eternally satisfied God's wrath against us. But Paul didn't stop there. He said not only can you have peace, perfect peace for your problems and having peace with God, but you can have the peace of God. This is the peace of God that you walk around with, that the Holy Spirit gives you, that you know, that you know, that you know, that you have eternal life and that you know that God is working all things out for the good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. This is the peace that passes all all understanding. This is the peace when all hell breaks loose. You know that I got peace from God and I can stand on the fact that God is with me as my peace. Paul says this, that we have the peace of God. And peace isn't the absence of conflict, but peace is the presence of Christ. Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 says this, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. That word rule in the Greek language means this. It means to serve as a judge or an umpire. It also means to overrule. And if you're in a court of law and one of the lawyers, the defense lawyer, the prosecutor says, you know, over, um, um, overruled, or he, he places an objection, he places an objection, the judge has the opportunity, the responsibility to overrule the objection if it's not legitimate. This is what this means. 
That when the peace of Christ dwells in your heart, when fear rises up to bring objections, the peace of God overrules those objections. The peace of God says, sit down and be quiet. When fear leaps up and says, listen to me, let me take control, the peace of God immediately calls to order and says, fear is overruled. Fear, sit down and be quiet. Wherever Christ rules, there is peace. And where there is peace, it rules your heart and it gives you that calmness and that satisfaction of knowing that Christ is ruling my heart. As a practical helper, I want you to apply the names of God to your needs. Apply the name of God to your need. As PL comes, I'm going to close here. The last type of helper, the kind of helper that Jesus came to be, he's a present helper. He's a practical helper. But I love this about him. He's a permanent helper. <laughs> people come and go, but Jesus stays. There have, people, there have been people in your life that you thought have come to stay, but they walked out. You've had people in your life that, were, that you thought that were permanent only to find out they were temporary. Jesus is not here to be temporary for us. He's here to be permanent. He's here to stay. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on. How long? Forever. Jesus isn't temporary. He's from everlasting to everlasting. He's faithful. He has always been and he always will be. I read a story recently um, that really made a difference in my in my life and it really kind of caused me to to rethink the reality of God being with us and never leaving us there was um, a man whose whose wife had died to cancer she had succumbed to cancer she died and um, in order to get his mind off this incredible loss over this difficulty um, that he was going through this difficult season um, he withdrew to work. He worked at the post office just to get his mind off what was going on. And it was in the Christmas season, and they had given him the job of rerouting all the cards that were sent to Santa and rerouting them back home. And the post office will write a letter from Santa and send it back. And in the process of doing that, he was thumbing through these cards, and he saw his return address on the envelope. And he realized that his daughter had written a letter to Santa. And his little girl wrote this. He read, Dear Santa, my mom died two months ago, and since then my dad cries himself to sleep every night. He says that only eternity will heal his heart. I was wondering if you would bring him a little bit of eternity this Christmas. Isaiah is proclaiming to us that God has sent eternity to us as a gift to us in the person of Jesus. He can heal your heart. 
But better yet, he can save your soul. He can give you eternity. Christmas actually began in the heart of God, but it's not complete until it reaches the heart of man. And today, if you would stand up on your feet all over this room and online, I want you to hear me this morning. As helper, Jesus came to reveal to us who God is. He's a present help in time of trouble. He's a practical help. He's wonderful counselor. He's mighty God. He's everlasting father. He's prince of peace. He's all that and even so much more. But he's also a permanent helper. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. When people walk out, Jesus is already there. When we feel all alone, when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel like there's no way out, Jesus has come to help us, to be with us, not to be separate from us, but to be with us in relationship. It's come that we might have relationship with God because he loved us so much that he didn't want to be without us. This is the good news of the gospel. And it's nothing you can do to earn it. It's nothing that you can do to achieve it. It's not a list that you can check off. It's not naughty and being nice. It's not a reward for those who are good. It's the free gift of God received by grace, which is unmerited favor. There's nothing you did to earn it through faith, through believing in Jesus. And so this morning, God extends the offer of eternity in your heart. He wants to be your savior, and yet he also wants to help you in life, to be with you, to give you practical help, to remain with you all the days of your life, to walk with you, even in the most difficult seasons. And maybe you find yourself hopeless, helpless, maybe stuck. Maybe you're experiencing great loss this year. Maybe you've got a child that's turned away from God, or maybe you've lost your job recently, or maybe you're dealing with the sorrow that you've lost a loved one. Maybe you're in this place today and you sense an overwhelming sense of guilt at the past and the things that you've done. I've come with good news for you today that God didn't just send his son in the world generally, but he sent his son into the world for you specifically to be your personal savior, to be your helper, to be Emmanuel, God with you, an ever-present help in your time of need. All over this room and online today, bow your hearts, bow your heads, close your eyes. Have this special moment with God all over this room today. Still your hearts. 
this is what we do in the Advent season. We prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. You see, Jesus arrived 2,000 years ago just as God promised. He came to be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He came to be the Savior, the Messiah, the Christ. He came. And he's also coming again as I talk to you about how we live between those two arrivals. But even today, even today, he's wanting to come. He's wanting to arrive. He's wanting to come to be involved in your life. In this moment, you have the opportunity to receive the invitation, God reaching out to you today not with disdain, not with discouragement, not with despair, not, not looking at you shaking his head in sadness and in shame, but looking at you with love, looking at you with great compassion, extending his offer of the forgiveness for your sins to be your savior, to put eternity in your heart, to live with you, as a permanent helper to be present with you every day of your life. Would you receive that invitation and say yes to the Lord today? See, he doesn't make you receive it. He offers you an invitation. And you open up your heart and you say, yes. I need a savior. I need someone to heal this brokenness in my life. And only God, only you can do it. So in this room and online today, I just want you to pray a simple prayer. This is you saying yes to Jesus. This is saying, God, I open up my heart to you. I welcome you into my life to be my savior, to be the Lord of my life, to lead and guide me from now on. And I want you to repeat this prayer with every head bowed and eye closed. I want you to put your um, left hand over your heart. And if you put your right hand in the air, we're going to make a pledge this morning, make a commitment. We're not pledging allegiance to the flag. We're pledging allegiance to Jesus. We're giving him our heart today, fresh and anew. And I want you to repeat these words. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you came that I might be forgiven. I receive you now as my Savior and as my Lord. I repent of my sins. I believe that you are the Son of God, the Savior of the world. And I receive eternal life this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.